0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, advice about love, health, and social media with my friend Rocco Cayatis, plus dog stories with Don Riddle. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Rocco Coyotis is the co-founder of Original Plumbing Magazine. He used to work at BuzzFeed. He used to make music under the name Catastrophe, and he currently lives in Los Angeles, California. Rocco recently joined me to give advice, eat rice cakes, and install an air conditioner. Enjoy. Rocco Coyotis. Thanks for doing rapid-fire advice with me.
1: Of course, I love doing it.
0: I have a question for you. What's the best way to approach a couple about getting in on the action? <laughs> this is from an anonymous listener. Not me.
1: Um, uh, One, I would I would scope it out. Is this a couple that has an open-ish relationship um, that you kind of know? Or are you just being a creeper on the sidelines waiting to fuck <laughs> one of them and you know that you would fuck the other one as like collateral damage, right? <laughs> yeah. So... Um, if it seems like they're open and they're in, into bringing a third in, then I would, um, you know, find the best, most appropriate time to communicate that you're interested in both of them.
0: Like when you're out drinking?
1: That seems like an appropriate time. <laughs> or, you know, drop a DM in in Instagram.
0: <laughs> I think you guys are cute.
1: <laughs> Something, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think that it, you got to see if that's even on the table. Otherwise, you're just going to seem creepy. And if you're friends with them, then... That's gonna. um...
0: I think if it is on the table, you could you could throw out your own bait, your own line, where you're like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've really been looking to, I don't know, Mm -hmm. bone a couple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been in a couple that's had sex with a third, but I've never been the third with the couple
0: how did you guys approach the third or how did the third approach you
1: we were just putting it all over the place so it was very (laughs) just i mean we were using a lot of drugs and alcohol at the time so it was just came with it it just was sort of like you're hanging out with your friends and then all of a sudden you're just fucking your friend
0: all right so that's a good so listener do a lot of
1: drugs (laughs) all right But now I think as a a sober person with a very reasonable uh, relationship and a partner who's very reasonable and intentional, that if we were to ever have a third in our, relationship it would need to be a conversation for a long time
0: like a lot of processing
1: yeah maybe talking to the couples counselor about like why we would want that is there something that we're missing is there like is it just that we want to explore our sexuality together like etc so you know it really that question really is contingent the answer is contingent on so many factors with the couple and with you what and i would First check with you. Do you want to just fuck one of them? Then probably you shouldn't approach the couple because you're going to develop deeper feelings for that one of them and maybe ruin your friendship and their relationship.
0: I think if you want to bone both of them, maybe I would DM them and say, hey, I want to go on a date with you guys. Yeah. Like if you know they're open already and you want to get in there and you've looked at your own things and you're not trying to steal one of them, just email one of them and say, or both of them and say, hey, I want to go on a date with you guys. What do you think? Cute. And if you want to include some kind of weird gif or winky thing or what, you that's up to you. But
1: Don't stick the tongue out, though. That one. The, the,
0: the one-eye closed sticking out the tongue?
1: Oh God, no. <laughs>
0: or the green barf face. If they respond with the green barf <laughs> face, you know to back away. Okay. Dear Nicole, is it wrong to always want to smoke pot before having sex? From Arlene Portmanteau.
1: I'll let you do this first. And then is I'll it try.
0: wrong? Uh, it's not wrong, but I think that you should really try and mix it up and make sure you can have sex without having pot.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I, I, as a former pothead, I think, are you trying to enhance or escape? Um, either one of those is fine, but why not try sex when you're just regular and not in an altered state?
0: Yeah. Make sure that you want to be having sex and you want to be having sex the way you're having sex. And try it without, it's okay to have it sometimes, but just just like to check in with yourself to make sure you're still a human without a need for it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think as a, an ex-pothead, I liked to smoke pot before I did everything. I mean, ideally I was smoking pot before I smoked pot. You know what I mean? Still a little high, <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> just a constant stream of it. And I didn't want to do anything without it. And then when I stopped smoking pot, I had to form a new relationship to my sexuality in a way that felt very unfamiliar because I had been, you know, 13 or 14 when I started becoming a daily pot smoker and then I had to form a new relationship with everything with eating with cooking with reading with literally everything Mm -hmm. um but sex feels like if it's this primal thing that you're already kind of escaping your head and your body and going into an altered state so see what that feels like to just fly high on pheromones and connectivity in a different way right
0: do something even crazier
1: do it sober
0: (laughs) uh dear nicole eye contact orgasms good or bad from dion Frembe.
1: i used to have like when i first ended my long-term relationship i would have uh i was having casual sex for the first time in my life and i always made the woman that i was having sex with make eye contact what's Well, my friend Kirk Reed, who's witchy and yeah. a writer, um, he said, Oh my God, you're casting a spell, which was true. I was like engaging in this intimate, you're already fucking someone. Like that's super intimate, but you make eye contact and then that is some kind of bonding, chemical, psycho thing <laughs> that I was looking for a deeper connection. Yeah. I've since like evaluated what kind of troubling thing that I was going through. Yeah. But yeah, no, unless you're already in a really intense relationship with someone, Eye contact seems like something that should be reserved for when you're trying to deepen a very deep connection. Already,
0: love speaking
1: uh, Yeah,
0: I'm like, let me keep my mask on and leave me alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now I don't want to make eye contact. I,
0: I think, I think often. Ba- I don't really, I don't know. I can't really vouch for eye contact orgasms. <laughs> Have you if- ever? Yes, of course. And but if if I if I was if I was doing that thing you were doing, if I was a casual sexer mm. and somebody was like, "Look at me," I'd be like, "Ew!" <laughs> I, I would. Yeah. I would have a strong reaction. Well, it's like
1: controlling and weird for one. If you're asking someone to. I think yeah, it's it is some just, kind of like weird manipulative control thing. Like
0: you're a warlock.
1: Yeah. And so when he said that, like, Oh, you're casting spells. Cause I kept being like, I don't know why these casual things keep turning into them catching feelings for me. And it's like, yeah. Cause I'm doing creepy, weird things. You're stroking their them, face, forcing them to have feelings in this way.
0: You're like, all right. Bye babe. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Dear Nicole, <clears throat> would it be strange if I started carrying a dick in my backpack all the time? From Sunset Cohen. Cohen. Uh, I don't all the time. I mean, that just means you want to be ready for sex all the time, or you just want to have it here. No, do what you want to do.
1: Yeah, to each their own. If exactly. you want to have a dick in your bag, that's fine.
0: <laughs> Dear Nicole and Rocco, do you need a different dick for each girl if you fuck two different girls in the same day? Also from Sunset Cohen.
1: Um. I think that if you're going to use the same dick, that's fine, but you need to make sure it's super clean and that you're, uh, like, boiling it or doing it if it's silicone or using condoms on it and then washing it. Like, please don't use a dick that you have used on one woman and then stick it in another woman later without
0: cleaning it. Use a handy wipe, you'll be fine.
1: No. Just kidding.
0: You boil it or use, use uh, condoms.
1: HPV, right? Because people don't think about it. They're like, oh, what's the harm? It's just a toy going in one body to another.
0: A lot of things. You could get a I lot know. of things from just skin to skin.
1: I know. Yeah. Just so.
0: Beave to beave.
1: Please clean and be safe.
0: Dear Nicole and Rago, my therapist is very cis and heterosexual. Do I need a trans therapist if I want to grow authentically? From jean or Orchier.
1: No, if your therapist is a licensed practitioner, then they are totally qualified to help you go through anything. Though, if they say something transphobic or judgmental and that's the issue that you're struggling with is like gender, uh, it, gender issues, then um that's not the right therapist. No one should ever see a, a therapist that's that's a uh, judgmental or um ill equipped to deal with a certain topic, but I've had st- nothing but cis straight therapists up until recently and they did a really good job of helping me sort my own feelings out because a good therapist is just going to help you sort through your own feelings and not weigh in or give you information about their lives or give you an opinion that's the mark of someone who's not qualified to be a therapist
0: Mm -hmm. um how did you vet your therapist to make sure they were appropriately i don't know not going to try and give you conversion therapy or something?
1: Um, well, early in transition, I went to a few different therapists before I found the right one. And I think it's, you know, you get the feel of like, uh, in a, a session or two, whether or not it's the right fit energetically. I think people often say like, Oh, I hate therapy because they had a bad experience with with one therapist. I've been in therapy since I was 13 years old and I've had dozens of therapists. And in that time I've had two or three good therapists Mm -hmm. and literally I've seen dozens of them. If it's not a good fit, you know, it's not a good fit because it doesn't feel productive. It doesn't feel helpful. You don't leave feeling like you've worked through anything. You leave feeling like you need to work through something new with a stranger. Um, I think like in terms of like dealing with uh trans specific issues, um, you can go on psychology today and find a therapist by typing that in that they're that they're a person who specializes in LGBT and then if you have your intake with them, just say that you're be honest with them about what you're going to therapy for and say that you really need someone who's Either if it's more comfortable for you, that someone who's dealt with someone who's newly transitioning or thinking about their gender identity in a deep and complicated way or um, someone that is comfortable with it, that is going to be comfortable with you having a safe space around exploring that topic.
0: Cool. Uh, Dear Nicole, how do I keep note of ideas I get in the shower? From Betty Sunday. Uh, Betty... I mean, you're, I think you just need to keep a waterproof pad in the bathroom and a little waterproof pen and just stick your head out of the shower and jot it down. Yeah. Just keep it in a caddy that's near the shower. That's, I think it's really important. I have had the experience the other day of thinking of an incredible idea as I was falling asleep and then having the moment where you're like, I'll remember this tomorrow. It's gone. It's gone forever. Mm-hmm. Dear Nicole and Rocco, is there a kind of Asperger's that would explain why I prefer eating in private? From Kenneth Rawman. Uh, the, <laughs> what do you think?
1: Um, I like I, mean, the,
0: I like eating in private. I feel like yeah, a dog. It's
1: just common decency. <laughs>
0: When I'm non-consensually being watched, I can't eat. Yeah. Like...
1: What about lopsided eating? It's one thing if you're both consuming and masticating (laughs) together, but it's a whole other thing if you're just the one that's eating across from someone who's not eating. It feels like too much pressure to me. I'd rather eat alone.
0: I would love... I... Like, one time I I went to the donut shop. I was trying to eat the donut in my car outside of the shop, and (laughs) there was a guy smoking who was watching me without... Gross. when I hadn't expected that, and I was like, "Fuck!" Just ruined the whole thing. Yeah,
1: the away! It's feeding time.
0: I'm like a dog. Like if me I'm too. eating, and then someone comes up and they're like, "What's that?" I'm like, hey Resource
1: Like source guarding. I,
0: <laughs> I just it makes me really upset. So yeah, I guess that is a kind of Asperger's. That would explain why you prefer eating. In, I mean, we're we're neither of us can uh, diagnose. Yeah, that. we're not
1: qualified to diagnose. But look on Psychology Today, where I just look to diagnose other things.
0: But it's totally normal, and I hope that you don't give yourself bad self talk about. Why? I prefer eating in private Eat in private
1: Yeah
0: Um, Dear Nicole and Rocco Are you going to watch The new gong show Starring Mike Myers in a mask
1: No (laughs) No
0: (laughs) Dear Nicole and Rocco If Ivanka and Jared Invited you over for lunch Would you go
1: Depends on if they can uh... (laughs) I would Yeah I would too But for me it depends on If they've uh, accommodated My dietary restrictions (laughs)
0: If they were giving me A free vegan lunch I absolutely would Yeah totally Because I think it would be a good story or a comic or a podcast. I could see what it was like. I mean, as long as they didn't kidnap me afterwards, which would be a genuine concern. I didn't get disappeared or something for having experienced or witnessed them as a couple. Um,
1: There's not many experiences, especially um, food-centered experiences, that I'd say no to.
0: I will do almost anything for free food. FYI, (laughs) everybody.
1: (laughs) Me too. Once –
0: I used to say that for free coffee. I've since tried to up the bar a little bit. But once this guy asked me for coffee and I – Oh no! This guy liked me. I knew he liked me. His roommates showed me an amateur porn that he was in, where he came on someone's face, and I had never seen that before. This was at the, the dawn of the internet, and I was like, "Oh my god, what's what's he doing?" And then his wiener came in the picture and just Bleh, on her face, and I was like, "Ew." And I was like, you guys want him to do that to me? You're setting me up with this guy so that that's what you want to happen in my face? And then he asked me to coffee. And I, oh, he we had already had a coffee date planned. And I went anyway, so he would buy me a coffee. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was 19. But I, it just proved that I would do anything for coffee. Because I was, like, repulsed by this thing I had seen. Because I just had, as a feminist... Before that's the a
1: lot, that's a lot to see
0: before the porno age of the internet, where now I'm like, literally in, guys coming in your eye, in it just feels
1: eye. like the most disrespectful thing that someone can do to another person.
0: That's how I feel. But people who choose to do it that love it more power to you.
1: yeah, yeah. personal okay. preference, no judgment while we just sit in judgment.
0: Well judge, judgment for me, where I was like, please preserve my face. It's yeah. all. it's all I'm like a fish. my whole body is my face. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Nicole and Rocco, a friend of mine. A friend of mine and I have recently realized that our mutual friend only talks about herself. When we try to have a conversation about anything other than the topics that affect her, she shuts off and goes blank in the face. What do we do? Should we say something to her? Do we just let the friendship dissipate?
1: Oof, I've got some follow-up questions. How did you not notice that before? Like, how are they just noticing it if someone's obsessively talking about themselves only and, and can only engage around themselves? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because for me, I noticed that right off the bat. If I meet someone and all they do is talk about themselves or cut you off to reference back to themselves. Anyway, more about me, that kind of thing. I'm like, ugh, that is not someone I can foster a friendship with because it's exhausting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I have room in my life for like a certain number of people like that, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but only if I get something out of that. Only if it's entertaining in some way Mm -hmm. or I really care or I'm really Mm -hmm. interested, but I just, my my life consists of like different kinds of people and there's like only a couple slots for certain (laughs) kinds of people. So like people who are dogs, who are like serial heartbreakers, Mm -hmm. I only have room for like two of those in my life. Mm -hmm. And like people that are narcissists in this way, I only Mm -hmm. have room for like three of them, but I can't see them all in a row. Yeah. Like, I have to see them, like, once a month. That
1: makes sense. I have a family like that person, so I don't have room for friendships like that.
0: <laughs> I think that you would have to just... I think that we... You talking as you and the other friend collectively seems a little bit like you're talking about this person behind their back, which mm. I think is maybe, you know, not the best way to be able to approach them with honesty
1: yeah. and clarity, yeah. like a
0: clear spirit. Um, so I would say on your own, just think, what do I get out of being friends with this person? Do I actually like totally. it? Do I feel supported? I mean, I've had a friend before where I straight up was like, this sketchy thing happened to me. And she was like, oh, sorry to hear that. But it was like after years of her just pouring her relationship drama onto me. And at that moment, I was like, I think our friendship as we've known it is over. It's not something that I really feel like I need to like explain to her why I need her to empathize when something sketchy happens to me. Mm -hmm. Like I I just need her to be a friend or not based on the amount of time we've known each other.
1: Yeah, and maybe that uh, back to like integrating what you just said into my initial question is like, maybe that friendship suited you at a time where you had the energy to invest in someone who needed that kind of relationship. And maybe you've outgrown that dynamic and it's no longer useful. But someone, many people have actually told me, you can create boundaries and you don't have to let the other person know that you have boundaries. So what you can do is just note to yourself that you don't enjoy that person's company anymore and then just create boundaries around your friendship with them. Maybe it's just that you see them once a month or you only talk to them every you know. Couple of weeks when you have when you feel like you're available for a fifteen minute conversation where they just dump their shit on you. I don't know if this person's dumping or just entertaining you with their their lives, but um, you know, just create boundaries that feel healthy and uh, like you're putting yourself first in this relationship that seems lopsided.
0: Yeah, you don't want to do anything that makes you feel resentful. Yeah, that's so. Like, make these boundaries. God, somebody said yesterday, and I loved it. They said twenty minutes of boundary work now can um, can relieve you from like two weeks of feeling muddled. Mm, you know, like mm-hmm. if you just take a minute and just free write with yourself yeah. what your boundaries are, what you like about this person, what you would like to have in a friendship with them and just stick to that. So mm-hmm. you're not actually like giving them more of your time or yourself than you feel comfortable with.
1: Yeah. And I think we grow and change constantly as people and our needs around friendships grow and change as we change. And um, I've noticed recently that You know, that a lot of my older friends can't hold space for us to have a balanced relationship where I talk about deep shit that's going on for me, or I feel like they're invested in me in the same way that. I'm invested in them energetically. And as I note those things and then I note my reaction to like when they disappoint me in some way, because I have these unrealistic expectations of how I now need them to be, even though for the past, you know, seven years, they've been showing me that they're this one type of person. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like a news, like a huge revelation to me because I came to in our relationship because I have a different set of needs and around our engagement as friends that's who they are. They've been showing me who they are, or they've been gradually moving into that being more and more who they are. But every step along the way, people are showing you exactly who they are. And if for some reason, now it's rubbing you in a way that doesn't feel like a friendship you want to put energy into, then just note that. And I wouldn't say you have to create this black and white kind of experience of like, now you don't need them to be your friend or, you know, letting the friendship dissipate. It can just be a different type of friendship like we have all kinds of friendships some are close some are nurturing some are supportive in a way that feels balanced others are that you're a support system to someone who may not have that in other friendships and that could be what you are to this person and that person could be showing up for someone else but all all that is to say you can have you can make this person gradually an acquaintance and less of a close friend you can just have a different type of relationship to your relationship with this person and they don't need to know that you're shifting that Yep. But as Nicole said, it's, it's important to maybe not talk shit about them to their other friends and kind of rally around this person's painful character points.
0: Because you're the one with the problem. They yeah. can live their whole life as a narcissist and find other people that are okay with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, Producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Because we like it. If you would like to tip Producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal. HornetLeg at gmail.com That is Hornet, like the insect Leg, like one of his appendages at gmail.com If you do this we will read your name on the podcast Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever but in the meantime, thank you We appreciate your support and I look forward to Saying your name on the podcast. Producer Panyo looks forward to it too. That was Panyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye. Thank you this week to Shoshana Wechter. Thank you for being in Panyo's inner circle. Dear Rocco and Nicole, what if you hate social? What if you hate but need social media to further your career? How to reconcile? It's part of your job. You yeah. don't have to love it. You don't have to put anything personal on there. Exactly.
1: Separate you- yourself from it, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, my sponsor told me years ago when I had a problem with MySpace as I was developing my my music career that I now am not developing anymore. Um, it's none of your business. Unless you have business on there, it's not your business to be on there. because the aspects of social media that are toxic are not you posting about your business. It's you seeing people doing things that makes you feel like you're missing out or whatever it might be for you. Um, but the toxic part is not promoting yourself. And if it is, then that's a different thing. Which so is like- like, it's just a necessary evil. It's a tool. It's like the old days people sent out flyers or flyered or canvassed around their neighborhood to get people to come to their business or they put an ad on on in the back of something it's just the same thing different modality of of self-promotion but it's necessary
0: yeah what if you just make a schedule for yourself and you're like, okay three here's the kind of thing i'm going to put up there to promote my thing i'm going to mm-hmm. do it five days a week mm-hmm. at this time of day and i'm just going to go on and do that and maybe i'll give myself five minutes to look at this thing and this thing and this thing or to follow these people or whatever but you don't have to lurk and become you know Part of the social media machine and let it suck your face.
1: Yeah, because that I mean, social media is an incredible tool. And it's also uh, a tool that is easily turned back to dismantle you um, and your well being. So I just think engage with it in a way that feels like harm reduction because it is a necessary tool to building a business or promoting a project, especially if you're an artist or an entrepreneur. It's absolutely the it's it's leveled the playing field if you're willing to participate in it um, in the way that it's useful.
0: Are you available for people to pay you to consult with them about social media?
1: I don't love to do it, but I know how to do it. So if you're in desperate need, especially if you're a person who has... Uh, an emotional struggle or an ethical struggle around, um, your artistry or your business, uh, or your practice, uh, and around promoting, I can definitely help with that. Can they pay you? Yeah, we can pay our trade. Okay. Because my relationship is so toxic to social media and I have the luxury of no longer working for myself, I don't have to participate in social media in the same way. So I can do it or not and it doesn't matter. And for the most part, I don't. Um, but also, I also have the background of deeply understanding it for personal use and then also just working at BuzzFeed for two years. I have a deep dive of like what works and how content is viral or what certain you know, what, uh, like the equation to plug everything in and make it, uh, better Mm -hmm. than what you're doing already. Um, but those two things of having that information and having that same relationship make me really well equipped to help people, uh, heal their emotional trauma around social media.
0: All right. Last question.
1: I mean, you and I have talked, has it been helpful?
0: It has been helpful. It was overwhelming mm-hmm. because it is a, it's a beast. Mm-hmm. It is a beast, but it was very helpful. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I took away was that it's helpful to have people who are your actual friends, who you authentically are connected to, to have other people with different or greater um, numbers of followers to post about you. Mm-hmm. It's not as helpful for me to post about them. You know, it's helpful for them to post about me or my Absolutely. project or dimension it. And if I could get them to do it in a coordinated way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then that's, that's even better.
1: Yeah. There has to be strategy. You can't just go on there free form, throwing things up, thinking like, oh, I like dogs and cats. It's like, okay, you took a shitty blurry picture of your dog with some weird person in the background. It has to be curated. Every account, think about the three, I'll give this free a, a, advice um if there's three accounts that you love that you follow that you if they don 't come up in your feed you go to check to see what they 've posted there's probably a reason their account's probably really beautiful they're they 're like um presenting some type of lifestyle that you want to be consuming
0: oh my God mine is Wolfgang two two four two which is the guy with like nine senior dogs and a pig and a couple of chickens that 's the your that's the lifestyle brand that i 'm most invested in yeah
1: for me it's like junk vegan junk food always i love that food porn i hate that term food porn but that's you do jerk
0: off to it so. yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> <laughs> especially if it's deep fried and dessert
0: you try to make eye contact with whoever you can
1: <laughs> love me all
0: right wait, uh, one more question what's up with your trump fatigue these days and how do you deal uh,
1: I just disconnect.
0: I listen to the Rachel Maddow Show every night, which all the podcast people know. It really makes me feel like things actually are working and there are adults in the room. You make, because I, day to day, looking at everything that's happening, I feel like there's no adults in the room. Mm -hmm. Listening to the Rachel Maddow Show, I feel like there are adults in the room. And like tapping in a little bit to world news, I feel like there are adults across the world. Like when other countries said, like, hey, Trump just bowed out of the Paris thing, we are going to up our. Environmental um, commitment. I was like, "Oh, there's adults in the room outside of America, mm-hmm. and America's a huge deal." But in the meantime, there's other people that are gonna try not to let the entire world explode.
1: <laughs> um, I'm personally with in terms of news or uh, paying attention to Trump. I can't unless I'm like really feeling great that day and like I have uh, some kind of barrier thrown up. Um so the way that I was getting Trump news was I was watching that YouTube account Sassy Trump. Do oh, you know? No. Oh, check it out. It's so good. It's like a very sassy gay man overdubbing his own voice over Trump's speeches. It's so good. Just like funny pauses, like the delivery is perfect. But it's too much for me to see him. Like I have a very visceral reaction to see yeah. to seeing him. It feels too real and I would rather not deal with that reality um until it i'm slapped in the face with it in some way um and it doesn't feel like something that would be solved by him simply being impeached it just feels like there's a chain of worse things that will happen after that (laughs) you know what i mean no 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 pence pence is so bad he's next on the line that's
0: fine He's fine. He's fine. He's he's great. Take me to the conversion camp. Give me electroshock. Whatever. Um, I'll see you there. I guess I'm
1: too fatigued to actually even engage right now. But it's been coming in waves. I pick and choose. I pay attention to what's going on as much as I can by listening to NPR and then I don't watch any type of speech or news thing. I just read what's happened. Can't look at them. Yeah. Can't look at Can't see their face.
0: No. Rocco, thank you for being on the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, do you have any last words for anyone? What's your favorite food right now? What's? Ooh, did, you just made me a
1: snack, so I'm single-minded about that. Tell me um, I'm going to make this my new afternoon snack as well. Rice cakes, peanut butter, nutritional yeast, and sriracha. Yeah. So good. A think, winning combination.
0: Think about peanut sauce. Think about peanuts. If if, you're, if a listener is having a hard time getting their mind around that, mm-hmm. think about Thai peanut sauce.
1: Yeah once years ago someone had me over for dinner and they made me a pizza with instead of using tomato sauce as the base they used peanut butter as the base and it was Shut so up. fucking good
0: <laughs> what did they put on his toppings
1: basil and other like basil what? and hot sauce yeah vegan cheese that's queer so it was like a thai Was it a queer person flavored pizza yeah that's queer yeah, that's pretty queer
0: <laughs> that's a queer food i would try that
1: yeah you would probably love it
0: i'm sure i would love yeah. it yeah Oh, cheese! Too interesting. All right, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Bye. When I was 16 years old, I adopted a beagle corgi sharpie puppy from a pretty bad shelter in Kansas City, Kansas. I named her Beja, or rather, my boyfriend at the time named her Beja. I got her as a present for my teenage high school boyfriend. As luck may have it, his parents did not want her, and so I had to keep her. And actually, she had a lot of problems. I just finished a graphic novel called Fetch, How a Bad Dog Brought Me Home, about my 16 years being the guardian and best friend of Beja George's. Um, Over the next month or two, I'm going to have friends come on the podcast to tell short stories about their experiences with Beja. Fetch comes out on July 18th, but you can pre-order it now on my website, nicolejgeorges.com, which just relaunched. And if you use the button there, part of the proceeds will go to the Oregon Humane Society and you'll get a special bandana that says "Don't pet me." Today, please enjoy this short story about Beja from musician, artist, and good friend Don Riddle. Don Riddle.
2: Nicole Georges, who are you? I'm a nice lady. I'm hmm. not Don Rickles. No. And I have uh, been a longtime fan of Beja. Mhm. Um. I met her in. Do you want to ask me questions, and then I answered, or I was just jumping in?
0: You could jump in, Don. When did you meet Beja?
2: How old? How old are? How old were you? I was 19 years old, and the year was 2001. Mhm. Do the math. Oh, so so old. Um, And I met Beja at your home in Portland, Oregon, and you had another dog named Penny.
0: Oh, yeah. Can you describe
2: the home? The home? Yeah. Oh, it was very nice. Very nice little home with um, cute furniture. It was the first time I'd ever listened to indie rock and really liked it. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Like at shows or just on the no, radio? you had a record player in the kitchen. Oh. And I remember you would make coffee in a French press, which also was new to me. Oh. And we would drink the coffee and listen to Belle and Sebastian mm. or Smog. Mm. And I was like, what is this garbage? And then later I was like, this garbage rocks.
0: I, I still have those garbage records in my apartment, in my little house now as I drink out of a French press. Things changed. So you, you came to Portland. You were staying on my couch. Oh. And...
2: But you walked, You had to walk in, and you had to meet this dog. Well, I first met the dog, and I had been warned, as everyone is warned, don't pet this dog, be chill with this dog, just ignore her. Mm-hmm. And initially I did, but as we got to know each other a little better, she began to let her guard down, and I began to cross boundaries and was punished <laughs> by nips and barks. What kind of boundaries did you try to cross? Approaching too quickly, petting too readily, loud sound, excited voice. Were you scared of her? Yes. I'm scared of any animal that seems like it could nip me in any way.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, What did she look like to you?
2: A little loaf of bread with a bad attitude. (laughs) And how did things change for you in Beja? Well, I got evicted. And I moved onto your couch. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was nice to have you there. And at nighttime, Penny, the Sharpe, would sleep on my face.
0: Gross.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, and she had a lot of dandruff. Yeah. <laughs> and slowly but surely, I started to smell normal to Beja and smell like Penny's body to myself. <laughs> and I noticed Beja did not nip me, and towards the end of our relationship, I could walk into your house, and Beja would run up and not be angry and seem genuinely pleased to smell me, Mm -hmm. and I could walk up to her and pet her, but I still couldn't walk up and pet her too quickly because she would excitement pee on the floor, and then I'd feel bad. She was
0: probably very excited to see you.
2: Yeah. I was flattered that she was doing that. But I knew it meant there would be pee on the floor and I'd have to clean it up. So I avoided that. So the general policy of kind of ignoring her still stood, but I pet her a lot.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And then um, what about like when there were lots of other people
2: around, did you still get to pet her or what was your relationship to her then? My relationship was I had gotten led into the mean girl's clique. That she was the head of and it was like you and me and like one other person were in the click. Yeah. And I felt so cool because she had an outfit that said, I think, don't pet me. Mm -hmm. It was a bandana or a shirt and people would not believe it because she is very attractive and looks great to pet. Yeah. And then she would always bark and freak out and maybe nip at them. And I would be like, pet, pet, pet. Oh, weird. (laughs) You're not cool.
0: You're like, sorry, don't pet the dog.
2: Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. She only lets really, really cool close friends pet her. And I felt really um, proud. You were in her inner circle. Yeah. And it felt great to warm my hands by her glow. Oh. Do you remember, what was the last time you saw Beja? Oh, shit. It was when you lived in the Gingerbread Manor. hmm And I, I don't remember. I think, I remember moving away and coming back to visit, and we were still on good terms. And I was like, you have a great memory.
0: She'll remember you forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll remember her forever. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.